Hey ladies, gentlemen, and non-binary friends. I'm Stephanie, and you're listening to Seize the Good, the positive podcast with passionate people. If you're thinking about starting a nonprofit or you're a young leader in the nonprofit world, then this episode is for you. Today we're chatting with Rhea Wong. She has a podcast called The Nonprofit Lowdown and does consulting after working for a nonprofit in New York for 15 years. This is a little different from other interviews on Seize the Good. It's more advice-based, but it's really important, and I'm really excited to have Rhea share some of the lessons she's learned from being a leader in the nonprofit environment. A lot of listeners, including myself, are young and energetic and ready to take on the world, which is awesome, and that energy fuels social change. But there's a lot we don't know, and Rhea gives us great points to think about. Fun sidebar, I was editing this episode while I was doing laundry with my mom, and every two minutes, my mom would audibly agree with what Rhea said and say, ugh, I love this woman, and "Mm mm-hmm, exactly. (laughs) Check out what Rhea has to say. Yay, okay. All right, Rhea, thank you so much for being on Seize the Good today. Stephanie, it's such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So um, I am really excited to kind of pick your brain a little bit about nonprofits, um, and I'm sure you are excited to be on the other end of the podcast interviewing today, um, because you usually have a podcast too, right? I do. I have a podcast called Nonprofit Lowdown. I started it about a year ago, um, and really it was just a it was a passion project because I listened to a lot of podcasts and I was like, "Hi, huh, I've learned a lot over my." 15 plus years of being in the nonprofit world, like I think it would be, be really fun to hang out with my friends and talk about interesting things and maybe help some people to make new and different mistakes because I've made a lot of mistakes. And so I want to help them to avoid my mistakes. Make your own mistakes. I love that. I love the new and different mistakes. Yeah, that's awesome. So 15 years is a long time. Why, why have you dedicated your career to serving nonprofits? Yeah, that's a good question. So initially, I didn't necessarily know that I was going to do that. So I actually initially started my career in journalism in the early 2000s. And then I was like, wait, I think this journalism thing, this print journalism thing looks like it might not have quite so much of a future because I think this internet thing is probably not going away. Um, and so <laughs> I uh, I actually kind of started as an accidental uh, accidental nonprofit person. So I started with a nonprofit in uh, San Francisco, and actually I started as a program assistant at an organization that I had been part of as a middle school student. And then after three years there, I mean, sort of what happens in nonprofit is you stick around long enough and you get promoted because you're the only one there. Um, So at the age of like 24, I was running a national teacher recruitment campaign. I didn't know how to do any of it. So I think the- overriding theme of my life has been like, yeah, I'll figure it out. (laughs) I love that. I'm 24 right now and I can't imagine running anything national. Yeah. (laughs) Props to you. Well, it was, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't by design. It was just sort of like last one standing. Yeah. And then, um, at the time, so I grew up in San Francisco and I was just like, I, I could feel myself starting to become a little bit settled and I could feel the inertia setting. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be one of those people. So I ended up uh, coming to New York to be the executive director of the nonprofit called Breakthrough New York. And I intended it to be a 
let's see, three year stint in New York, and that was 14 years ago. <laughs> Life is a funny way of changing your plans. Yeah, um, I know. I was uh, 26 years old, and they, you know, handed me the keys, handed me an email address. They're like, "Good luck, bye." Um, and so my first Google search was how to be an executive director, and then my second Google search was how to fundraise. Um, so when I first started there, I wasn't quite the founding executive director, but close to it. And we were about a $200,000 a year organization serving about 60 kids and two and a half people in a broom closet. Wow. By the time I left, we had three sites in New York. We were serving over 500 kids for 10 years. Um, Our budget was a little under $3 million, all privately funded, and a full-time staff of about 13 or 14. I can't remember exactly. Um, And then... So that was December 2017. I left after 12 and a half years of like loving the work, but after 12 and a half years, I just felt like, okay, I, I've done what I set out to do. Uh, I think the organization needs some fresh energy and fresh vision. And I again, maybe there's a theme in my life. I started consulting by accident. I took some time off to try to figure out what the next thing was for me. And uh, I had friends in the nonprofit world who kind of hit me up and they're like, hey, here you have some free time. I have a project I need help with. And one thing led to another. And lo and behold, about a year and a half later, I am a full-time consultant. Wow. And how's that going for you? It's actually a ton of fun. I'm having a great time, mostly because I'm a little ADD. And so it's nice for me to have a bunch of different projects to work on. So I have some clients that are fundraising clients. I have clients that are kind of strategic advising clients. I have other clients that... um, Let's see what other like uh, clients that I help out with like talent management and staffing. I have other clients that I'm helping with growth uh, strategies. So it's a lot of fun because my brain gets to think about a lot of different things. Yeah, that's cool. I love it. I am also a project based kind of person, so I understand that that mindset. Mm-hmm. So you've clearly learned a lot in all of your time at Breakthrough New York and from all of your experience consulting and podcasting. Yes. What, you are like a have so much expertise. What is something that you think people should know? About nonprofits or about life? Because I have lots of opinions about both. Whatever comes to your mind first. Well, it's interesting, Stephanie. I was literally just having a podcast interview this morning with a longtime executive director friend, um, and we were talking about mergers and acquisitions. But uh, we were talking about the most valuable advice that we could give to our younger selves. And I would say the most valuable advice I could give to folks is to be very careful about the person that you marry or is your life partner? Because I think that is a single biggest determinant of your success. And you want to find somebody who will be supportive of you. So what I was saying to my friend Daniel is that, you know, being a nonprofit executive is totally all consuming. And I don't know a single executive director out there who is in a long-term relationship or married, who at some point hasn't had some kind of issue in their relationship because of the job. It's a really intense job and you give it all you've got and that doesn't leave a lot left over for your partner. And so I think it's really important, no matter what you do, whether it's nonprofit or otherwise, like find somebody who will help you go further than you could go yourself because like life gets hard. And um, 
you know, especially in nonprofits, I, I used to say to myself, like, you marry one of us, you marry all of us, because inevitably all of the all of the significant others were also volunteering and also like delivering donuts on Saturday and also like hosting <laughs> kids in their office and also like stuffing envelopes, right? So it's a full context for. But um yeah, I think that's just like a general piece of life advice I would give to folks. I love that. That's really good advice. Sometimes I feel like uh, my partner is my job. <laughs> like I'm, I'm dating my job. I don't know if anyone yes. else. Feels uh, that yeah. Well, hello. Welcome to nonprofit. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I don't, so I, we decided not to have children of our own because I literally felt like I've had thousands of children. I'm like, I'm good. I get it. <laughs> I'm done. I raised a lot of kids. Don't need to do that. Yeah, for real. Wow, that's really good advice. So um, something that we were emailing back and forth uh, about was kind of the ego in um, the ED role or in leadership roles. Um, yeah. And why has why has that been on your mind lately? So it's an interesting question. Uh, I, I tend to work with a lot of founders, and I myself was sort of a founder. And so I think founders are both incredibly wonderful, amazing human beings and a huge pain in the butt. And I say that because um, some of the assets that you have as you try to build and found something get you to a certain point, And then at some point, that uh, those assets become liabilities. And so what I mean by that is like when you're a founder of something, you necessarily have to have selective hearing. You have to be able to shut out the naysayers. You have to be able to like you know, pursue your grand vision even in the face of uh, great obstacles. You have to be the one who's willing to like do all the things, like empty the garbage, meet with the funders, manage your board, manage your staff, right? Um, and then as you grow the organization, it becomes detrimental because <laughs> you don't listen and because you think that nobody but you really understands the vision and you become like the genius with a thousand helpers as opposed to really empowering people and, and letting them share in the vision. And so, you know, if thought a lot about how visionaries without the right sorts of supports or integrators next to them will really hit the ceiling of their vision if they don't change the ways that they act. And I also think founders tend to be young. They tend to be in their 20s. And I, um, and I think of how I was in my 20s. And I mean, there was just kind of an amazing amount of hubris. Um, not because I'm I, not because I think I'm an arrogant person, but simply because like when I was 26 years old, I just didn't know enough to know what I didn't know, and I had you know the things that had made me successful, which is like I'm smart, I'm hardworking, I could probably figure it out. Also made me I think underestimate the value of expertise and wisdom. And so I, I think a lot about uh, this guy, Chip Conley, who has started this modern elder movement. And he says, wisdom is good judgment based on pattern recognition with the right alchemy of humility and confidence. Wow, that and is think, a lot of words, but I appreciate the sentiment. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's good, right? But the the thing is, when you're 26 or 24 or whatever, you just haven't seen enough life to be able to make judgment based on pattern recognition because you just haven't seen enough patterns. And so um, I think 
part of it is just the the folly of youth and and being you know young and passionate and and thinking that I knew everything. And then I think the other piece of it is being a founder. Like you you really do have to have this deep vision and the vision is is you, right? It's deeply personal. And so often what I see with founders is that they have a hard time taking a step back and making um sort of strategic decisions because it's so emotional for them. And I get it, like the emotion is what made them successful, but I think sometimes the emotion is also what keeps them from making uh, the most clear-eyed decisions. And so I don't know if you call that ego as much as it, it's about um, separating the self from the work. That's interesting. What would you say uh, to someone who would say, uh, like, but I feel like my emotion and, and myself, like, brings so much to my work and that I work so hard because I've, I've invested so much of myself in, in my work. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we all do, and especially in nonprofit, because you're, you're certainly not paid <laughs> necessarily enough to work as hard as we do. Um, I, I think, like anything else, it can be a double-edged sword, right? Like on the one hand, certainly, I'm sure folks pour everything that they've got into the work because they believe so deeply in their mission and the purpose of what they're doing in the world, and that's wonderful. I think the flip side of that is that it can blind you to the reality of certain situations. And so in that case, I would say, yeah, be super passionate and be a visionary and and pursue this mission with your whole heart and be humble enough to be able to uh, have good advisors around you that you actually listen to, who you believe can actually steer you in the right way. And so I think part of the the ego piece is being humble enough to listen to people, uh, even though you think that you know everything. Yeah, for sure. I uh, There are lots of smart people in the world and, and lots of different ways to do things. Um, so I was reading a blog on your website uh, that was about if you want to start a nonprofit, don't. And I was super intrigued by that um, because I work with a lot of nonprofits in my job. Uh, I live in Columbus and there are like three, over 3,000 nonprofits in our city, which is a lot of nonprofits. Um, and sometimes it's hard to get people to work together. Like there are a lot of people who are doing the exact same thing um, mm-hmm. and they would rather do their own thing than work together and, and build a new program or, um, you know, join forces. So oh, yeah. why do you think so many people want to start a nonprofit? And why do you think there's a lot of hesitation um, around supporting a nonprofit that already exists rather than starting your own? Yeah. I mean, again, so this is like the good and the bad, right? Like I think as Americans, we have this great entrepreneurial spirit um, and we, you know, really believe in like the power of the individual to affect change. And that's a wonderful thing. The flip side of that is that it may not always be the right answer. And so I talk to lots of young folks who want to talk to me about starting their own nonprofit. And, you know, my first question to them is like, Okay, well, what like what is it that you like about the nonprofit? It's like, oh, I, I really like I enjoy kids, or I like saving puppies, or like whatever it is. And I'm like, okay, well, that's great. You realize that once you start a nonprofit, 
you will do less and less of that. And ironically, the more successful you are, the less of the thing that you love to do is what you get to do. Because the more successful you are, the more time you spend fundraising and managing your staff and managing your board. And so I think people just don't really understand the reality. It's like people get puppies and they think it's all like snuggles and puppy kisses and they don't realize they're going to like pick up poop. Um and so I think if people really understood what it took to run a nonprofit, I think a lot more of them would, if not not do it, at least do it with a little bit more, um, I don't know, a little, uh, tre- they tread into the water a little more carefully. Um, the other piece is, to be totally honest, as a sector, we're totally fragmented. And frankly, you know, there just aren't enough institutional funders to really fund all of the ideas. And um, I'm not going to say there aren't enough resources. I mean, there's plenty of money in this world and certainly in this country and certainly in New York City. But I do think that most nonprofits are under a million dollars. And it's really hard to sustain a nonprofit under a million dollars after accounting for all of the overhead, like rent and utilities. And then, of course, let's not forget salaries. That's important. Materials, insurance, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think people jump into it because they, they're committed to changing the world in some way, they are committed to this romantic idea of what it means to be a nonprofit executive, and they don't necessarily know what the reality is. And, and to be to- totally frank with you, I didn't either. Um, I was 26 years old, and I jumped into it without asking a ton of questions. I'm glad I did it, and I, um, if given the choice, I would have done it the same way. But I also think that you know, there are lots of nonprofits out there doing lots of great work. And so at the very least, I think you should probably explore whether or not there's already a nonprofit out there doing what you want to do or doing something very similar to what you want to do. And maybe there's a world where you go and talk to them about running a program adjacent to what they're doing, as opposed to doing a whole new nonprofit. Because I just don't think it's um, the most effective use of time and resources. That's super interesting. So this might seem like a really straightforward question, um, but kind of going after, uh, going off of what you just said, what are the benefits of collaborating with other people who are doing something similar uh, instead of doing your own thing? I mean, where to begin? You know, I think part <laughs> of it is bringing a lot of different strengths to the table. Um, I think, especially if they've if the organization already has an infrastructure built out, you save yourself a ton of time and energy. I mean, you know, incorporating a nonprofit, getting a lawyer to do it, organizing a board, you know, starting to fundraise, like that's all really hard uh, and really time intensive and like not particularly successful most of the time, unless you happen to, you know, have a very, uh, very wealthy resource rich board, in which case like good on you. But um, I mean, I think that there's a lot to be said for not having to recreate your own wheel. Um, And frankly, a lot of the startup pieces of of a nonprofit are not very exciting. I mean, a lot of it is like administrative paperwork uh, and dealing with the IRS and dealing with lawyers. And and so you're not really actually going to get down to the work that you really want to do. And then in addition, I would say that... um, 
again, going back to this idea that a lot of folks who start nonprofits tend to be younger in their careers, like there's just going to be a pretty steep learning curve around not just organizational development, but also leadership and people management. And gosh, wouldn't it be great if you could learn without having to be on the front line and be on the hook for all of the mistakes that you made? Like if nothing else, I say, and this is actually how I feel about people having kids as well, go work for a nonprofit for a little while year or two, just to truly understand what the business is. I, I, and I say this to people who are thinking about having kids, like hang out with a teenager for a couple of days. And if after that, you still want to do it, then like by all means, but, but like know the good, the bad and the ugly before you actually do it. And before you decide that like you want to dedicate your life to this thing, because at the end of the day, the most valuable thing that we have is time. And if this idea, this endeavor, this child is how you want to invest your time, then like absolutely it's worthwhile to do, but but at least do it with your eyes open about what it takes. Wow, that is brilliant advice. And I'm really glad that we had this conversation today um, and you kind of gave me and all of uh, our listeners that advice because it's so important and I am totally get it. I'm 24 and I'm bright eyed and bushy tailed and ready to go change the world. And I really don't know what I'm doing. I think I do, but I really don't. Um, and I feel like a lot of uh, people are the same way and, and also need to hear that. Uh, and we all, in the end, we all really just want to make impact. Um, and, you know, all of the things that you said are going to be the best way to do that. Um, so thank you so much, Bria, for all of that great advice. Um, so you've given us a lot, but is there anything that you want to, uh, you know, have an end note on? Any advice or? Yeah. I have absolutely loved and continue to love my career in nonprofit because I do, I've decided that this is the best way that I know how to spend my time on this planet. Um, and look, the truth of the matter is that had I known everything of what it would take to run a nonprofit, I'm not sure that I would have done it, but I'm glad that I did. Um, and I would say to your audience, like, do great things and have impact. and um, don't be convinced that the only way that you can do it is if you start your own thing. Love it. Perfect. Thank you so much um, for all of your wisdom and for being on Seize the Good today. If you want more of Rhea Wong and her awesome wisdom and adorable personality, check out the Nonprofit Lowdown podcast. Links are in the show notes. Next week, we're adding a permanent segment with Do-Gooder Media. Jamie, Do-Gooder CEO, and I will be sharing little stories of people doing good at the end of every episode. See you next week. <laughs>